Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What is up? Fran. Yes. It has been an interesting week mm-hmm. in Kind of the behind-the-scenes world of the true, of true crime, also bubbling into the mainstream world of true crime. Um, there have been some developments as far as some allegations against a person who worked on a podcast that really lent their platform to us and elevated us on a network that really lent their platform to us and elevated us. Um, uh, Billy Jensen from the Murder Squad podcast has been accused of some misconduct and some assault claims of sexual nature. You know, um, there was a podcast called Too Many Jennifers starring Jen Tisdale, a person we met once. Mm-hmm. She seemed like a nice person, a little, yeah. a little, a little hyperactive, but nice. Um, and she's accused him of slapping her during a, a sexual type of encounter that they had up in Billy's room at a convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer also on that podcast revealed her knowledge as to why Murder Squad came to an end. Uh, Billy responded to those claims. And then in another um, response, he released a bunch of text messages that kind of make her look a certain way. And in attacking Jennifer, he's attack. He's also whether inadvertently or on purpose attacking the claims of the person who worked at the network that I won't be speaking in detail about at the network that he was let go from, from the podcast Murder Squad. Um, that is where I come into play in this and why, where I've been very quiet. As you know, Fran, I've been privy to some information for a few months now. Mm-hmm. And out of respect for my friend that's involved, I decided I was like, this, it, it's, not, it's not my place. And I'm going to let it play out how it plays out as far as how they want to handle it. And his statement has kind of removed that for me. I no longer feel like 
I can sit back. Another thing that had uh, prompted me to want to speak on this is there's a, another true crime journalist podcaster named James Renner. I never have met James Renner. I've seen him. I've seen his booth at uh, CrimeCon, and um, I've heard his name in the context of a friend of ours, Sarah Turney. They got into uh, a uh, you know, back and forth on, on Twitter because she asked him not to cover her, so- her sister's story because her father's trial is happening and she felt like it might affect the jury pool, and he put out an episode anyway. I don't have the full details on that, but that is the only context that I really know of James Renner in. Anyway, he responded on his podcast, and a couple of things that he said before I bring this all around, and I'm going to be a little long-winded, so friend, let me know if I'm getting long-winded. Just jump in if you, if you have anything to say or anything like that. Okay. Um, James Renner went on his podcast and kind of took a stance of defense of Billy in a way, and what he mostly said was, we don't have a place to have an opinion because we weren't there and none of the accusations against Billy will make him stop being Billy's friend because he likes Billy and Billy's a fascinating guy. And my response to James, and also he said some things about, I'm not here to attack James, but he said some things about like how, mu- how much ad money people that are coming out with statements saying, you know, they condemn Billy or the, the, the accusations they're hearing about. He brought up how much ad money people make in, in, and like as an, almost like an attack to say like who are you to be speaking out against this person like who are you to put put a statement out as if your voice doesn't matter because you don't make that much money in ads I didn't really understand his point in that like if you're if you're hearing about something that's makes you feel a certain type of way or makes you feel like you need to speak out against something what does it matter how much money you make in ads I didn't really get that but anyway he said he likes Billy and uh, he finds Billy fascinating so he he won't stop his relationship with Billy. And my response to James and anybody else who feels that way is, let me say this. I like Billy. A lot of people like Billy. A lot of people love Billy that don't know Billy. I like the Billy that I met. A lot of people love the Billy that they have heard be a, a, a journalist in true crime and a defender of people and all of those things. Hearing that somebody that you worship or you worship is a very powerful word, but like you, high, you hold in high regard as somebody who's a hero for the downtrodden and, you know, protects women and defends women and and all these things that you hold this person in regard. Hearing that that person might have some allegations of misconduct against them or might be victimizing people when they are an advocate for victims, don't you think that would upset people? You know, like, love and hate draw breath from the same lungs, you know? And a lot of these people who are finding out about these allegations that have only been happening over the last week, it's been, this is, it's, it's still coming out. This is not widely known yet. There are people, this is still bubbling. And the, one of the things that uh, James said that I really took, uh, took offense to and it really made me upset, not, n- nothing, nothing really he said made me particularly upset, but it definitely prompted me to want to speak. But this made me upset. He said, you know, these people have already taken things from Billy already. They, you know, he, he lost his book deal. The podcast ended, which I'll speak about that. The podcast ended. And, you know, like, what else do you want from him? You want him to kill himself. That's what he said. You want Billy to kill himself. You, you are not offering him any path to redemption, any path to an apology, anything like that. It's been six days, seven tops, and it's not even fully out yet. And you're already saying that this guy that hasn't gotten to move on from this yet. He hasn't even taken onus or responsibility for the things that he's being accused of. And that's where I step in at. Let me go ahead and say again, 
I don't know anything about the Jen Tisdale accusations. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was not there. I don't know. And I can't speak to it. You know, I, 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 I don't, I wasn't there, but in reference to a party for network, um, Fran, you might remember last year, last October, I flew out to California for a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Um, this Halloween party I was invited to by a friend of mine. Uh, it was last minute. I came up with the, I came up with a costume last minute. I still stand by it. It's a great costume. I know you didn't really get it, but I, I thought it was a great costume. I was Phoebe Bridgers as a variant from the show Loki. Sure. People might remember this. I posted on social media. Also, Phoebe Bridgers reposted me on her Instagram. A katow. One point for me. Uh, anyway, I flew out to this. I flew out to California to go attend this party. I was there for three days. My friend picked me up from the airport. Uh, we went to the grocery store. We got some seltzer alcohol. We went back to their place. We kicked it. We talked to. Sh- we talked shop. We talked about podcasts and who's going to be at this network party and you know this person and this person's like this and this person's a little standoffish at first, but when you talk to them long enough, they're really funny and this person's nice and Paul Holes is like just like you think he would be and Billy Jensen, I think him and his wife are like in an open kind of relationship type of thing. I don't really know. I don't really ask because I don't want to be approached in that kind of way, but you know uh, that's their business but you know billy's fine and 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 everything like that and you know this person's that and this person's that so i'm kind of getting the rundown and getting the images in my mind of who these people are so i'm prepared to interact with them in person for the first time i've never met any of these people we've been on murder squad a couple of times we had good talks with these people on zooms and i had never met them in person though so i was getting the rundown from my friend of like you know what are these people like you know how you know how's this gonna go so you know we went to party city because they needed to get some stuff for their costume and then we ended up going back and changing. And then this network provided us lifts to, to the party, which was at a brewery. The California's pretty big, so the, the drive was about 45 minutes long. 35, 45 minutes long. During the drive, they said to me, oh, also, you know, still going over things. And this person and that person. And Billy's probably going to Irish exit. I don't know if that's, I don't know if people still say that. But that's what I call it. I don't know if it's right to say or wrong. I don't know. But, you know, basically they were saying, Billy just leaves sometimes, like sometimes he just gets over it and or he drinks too much and he just leaves. So don't expect, don't be surprised if all of a sudden he's just gone. So I'm like painting these people in my mind with the information that I'm being given by my friend. Anyway, we show up at the party. It's at a really cool brewery. And then in the back, there's like a back gated brewery. The network had rented out the whole uh, back of the brewery and it was gated. So, you, you know, you only could come in if you were a part of the party mm-hmm. and it was a costume party. You know, everybody had costumes on. It was all kind of cool hipstery costumes. People were dressed like uh, um, people from Back to the Future. Somebody was dressed like Rick and Morty. There's another person I think I told you was dressed as the head in the box from Seven. Mm-hmm. I remember talking about this on the podcast. I'm just trying to jog people's memories. It's this. Um, so this, uh, and we go into the party, and the first people we run into are Paul and Billy. I shake Paul's hand. Hello, nice to meet you. Good to see, ma'am. Hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Oh, good to put a name to a face. You know, see you in person. Good to see you. Good, you know, hi. And Billy came in for a hug, and he was very affectionate, and he was, he was visibly intoxicated. But I was like, whatever, man, it's, it's, a, it's a party, you know? Now, it, it's, not a, it's not a party. It's more of a kickback. Like, there's no loud music. Uh, it's very chill. There's a lot of people, like, in groups talking. There's no dancing. Like, it's not, it's not a party. But he is noticeably intoxicated. He gave me a hug, and he was very, like, the hug was kind of lingery. And, you know, I was like, I guess he's a hugger, you know? But Paul was like, firm handshake, hello, nice to meet you, good to see you. But Billy, hey, you know, good to see you. And it was nice. It was a nice welcome. But I did notice that he was, I was like, okay, yeah, let me try to catch up. In my head, I'm like, man, okay, all right, let me, let me get me a drink. Mm-hmm. 
right? So uh, me and my friend and Paul and Billy, we all set up kind of like shop at a table where it was like a hub. I met, I met Billy's wife as well. Um, and then me, I, I take pride in being like a great plus one. I take pride in being one of the best plus ones. You'll never see me in a corner and then you feel like, oh man, I, I, I was talking to my good friends over here and then this person I brought feels excluded. I'm going to go mingle. You don't need to worry about me. I'm not going to be sulking in a corner, feeling left out. So we all kind of went in different directions. And, you know, I went and made a lapse around and introduced myself to people. There's people here that I've had interactions with on social media, but I never got to meet in person. And I was very excited to meet these people. And we talking. Oh, man, what are you, Phoebe Bridges? Oh, my God, that's crazy. I see it. Oh, that whole thing. What are you? Oh, Garfield? You know, all that type of stuff. I'm going around making my rounds, getting drinks, talking to people. They had a great spread of food. It was a, it was a, great, it was a great time. They had photo booths. So I took some silly photos with, like, uh, you know, groups of people. Billy and Paul were in them. And, you know, you know crazy. Uh, do one with tongues out. Ah, that kind of stuff. Now, this is only 30 minutes in. Got a lot of stuff done in 30 minutes. Mm. I go and make some more rounds, and then I end up seeing Paul at, at, back at the little hub that we had. But it was, just, it was just Paul. So I go over and talk to Paul, and we're just shooting the shit. Hey, man, so are you from California? I said, no, nah, you know, I, I live in Baltimore. I just came out for the party for the weekend. Oh, cool. You ever think about moving out here, like pursuing things in the true crime space, maybe television or anything like that? No, nah, I just, you know, I wouldn't move anywhere unless I had something really locked down, guaranteed. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Well, uh, I'm going to go try to track down a Merlot. Like he, he, wanted, he wanted to get another drink and he didn't really like, they didn't have, they didn't have like alcohol. They had wine and beer. Okay. But he likes whiskey. But he, so he was like, well, I'm going to drink some Merlot. Mm -hmm. So he went, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, no doubt. Go check down some Merlot. My friend comes over to me from the crowd or like out of nowhere, like, you know, comes over to me and goes, you know, so Billy just grabbed my ass. But I'm not there as like a, a date or I'm and I don't know these people. So I don't really I'm not going to turn up or I don't know how to react to this. The, you know, these people. I don't know these people. So I don't know if. How I don't know if the, does he do this all the time? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't really. So I was really taken aback by them telling me that, but I didn't know what to do. And I could tell in, in hindsight even more, but I could tell even in the moment, but in hindsight, because this was in October of last year, in hindsight, I could tell that this person was like, I invited this person out for the weekend. Let me just shake this off. I don't want this to be weird and dampen the night or dampen the weekend. I'm here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm entertaining a person. Let me just not let this ruin the weekend. And so they shook it off. You know, they kind of went, oh, I didn't, you know, I could tell they were affected and upset about it, but they did not let it ruin the night, you know? And so we kind of just, you know, I think we might've, I mean, I might've went and got another drink and, and then we went off and mingled some more. Uh, I noticed Billy out again, there's no dance floor, but he was out with his wife kind of like dancing flirtatiously. But like, there's no dance floor mm -hmm. there's, and the, the music isn't very loud, but that's not my business. That's his wife. That's what they do. But I could tell people were like, all right, well, not really that kind of party, you know, but whatever. That's, that's, that's their business. And then probably another 10 minutes after that. So now it's like nine o'clock. They were gone. I, I, and, and, but I had been prepped. Billy will Irish exit. So I just kind of assumed he just left. He got, he was over it. Let's fucking, you know, took a toothpick out of his mouth, flicked it. Let's, let's blow this hot dog stand. I just yeah. kind of assumed he just left. Um, I, I went on to enjoy the rest of the weekend. The party was great. I had a great time at the party. Um, I met two of the people who are, you know, the, the owners of the network and they were really nice. And I was, I was really happy to meet them. It was a super cool experience. 
And um, me and my friend had a great weekend and, you know, and uh, I came back home and I was like, man, that was so fun. That event was weird and that was kind of strange. I, you know, that's, you know, can't be going around doing that to people. But I don't know. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call and I'm deposed by the network lawyer about the situation. And if I had heard of, you know, any inappropriate behavior from Billy Jensen before, I'd said, I said, no, I don't really know him like that. I only, I've worked with him over Zoom. I don't know, I don't know him that well. From there, um, you know, there was an investigation that went down and the show was ended in January. I do want to ask you a question. Please. So between the time when you got back home mm-hmm. and the time you got the phone call from the network lawyer, did you, anytime between that moment, did you feel like it was going to turn into what it, it's become now? No. I, it wasn't like something that we even, I don't, we didn't even discuss it again after that night. Mm-hmm. For the, and I was there for another two days. You know, so I almost forgot about it. When I got the phone call from the lawyer and they said something about uh, you might know something about an assault that happened at the party. I was like, what? I didn't do anything. I I thought it was I thought it was about me. (laughs) And I'm like, I had a great time because I had already forgot. I let it I let it out of my mind. So I was like, I had a great time. I met this person. I I mean, we, we talk about this person all the time. I got to meet them. Finally, it was so nice. We took a picture together. My costume was, you know, it was a it was a good hit. Like people liked it. And I had a great time at this party. What could they have? What could they think? I know. And then when I talk to the lawyer and they tell me, I go, yeah, that did happen. But but that's the way you made a connection. That's where I made the connection. Because okay. I go, yeah, I do know that. Yeah, yeah. I was there for that. They did tell me that. Yeah. But all the shit that you was like, that was in the back of your head where you caught, you know, you caught glimpses of it. It was like, when you got the phone call, it was like, oh shit. You know? Yeah. Because I go, man, he was it drunk. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was acting. putting he, shit together. Yeah. He was being real suggestive on the dance floor with his wife. Yeah. They told me that. My, my friend told me that he grabbed, her, grabbed their ass. And, I, you know, so then I go, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was uh, in his bag that night. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it would get to this, but what I did think after I spoke to a lawyer was I go, well, the show's going to end eventually. Cause what's the resolution here? They do an investigation and they go, yeah, you did harass somebody that you work with at a work event. Keep working together. I didn't think that was going to happen. I was like, this is, they're going to end the show I or this person's going to get, fi- somebody's going to get, somebody's losing a job. Uh, I find out later on that they had this person, my friend, keep working with Billy even after they came forward and said what happened because they just, it was too much shuffling to do or they, did, they thought this person knew how to do the job better than somebody else and they didn't want to disrupt things and, until they uh, could get their ducks in a row, basically. Mm-hmm. So this person comes forward and speaks about a, an assault that happened to them uh, uh, an assault, a harassment. I don't really know what terms we want to use. He grabbed their ass. I don't know the proper term to use. So I just want to make sure I'm not, I'm not uh, alleging that anybody was uh, raped or something like that. I don't, th- I don't know Billy to be that, but he grabbed my friend's ass at a party and there was an investigation about it. The investigation takes place. They have my friend still work with Billy while this is happening. And then eventually they fire Billy. This happened in January. And without any announcement or anything, nobody knows. Everybody just goes, all the listeners, I see it happening. They're going, where's, where's the newest episodes of Murder Squad? I don't really, where are the rest of the, what's happening? They go on break? And they, the, the, the benefit was given for 
them to be able to just make up why they aren't on the podcast anymore. Well, Billy has a book. Paul has a book. They must be too busy. The scheduling, you know, they just probably can't do the podcast anymore. I'm sad, but oh well. And so they get to just kind of move forward from the incident. Now, cut to CrimeCon. Mm-hmm. Billy was at CrimeCon. I told you I was surprised that he was going to be there. And I was under the impression that he knew what I knew. Mm-hmm. And so, and you can attest to this, for weeks leading up to that, I was like, he's not going to talk to me. He, he, he knows that I know and I've been deposed or whatever. But when we saw him at CrimeCon, he was so excited to see us. Yeah. That it kind of, I was taken aback. I was like this, I mean, I don't, I, I guess it's settled. Because I hadn't gotten another update. Mm-hmm. I just went, I, I guess it's settled and, you know, he, he's moved on from it. I don't know. I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what was happening. So I was nice and friendly to him because he was nice and friendly to me and I didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. You know? Um, again, like I said, two things can be, can be true. Like, you know, Billy's a charming guy yeah. and you know, so, you know, he, he's a, he's a charming guy. He does have great stories and all that stuff. He also violated my friend at a, at a Halloween party yeah. and that's not okay. Anyway, jump to this whole thing breaks because this podcast that Jen Tisdale does. And I think that people now are starting to conflate his book being canceled with the podcast ending and saying like, Oh, now the the cancel culture is is trying trying Billy before he's get he he gets a chance to even uh, prove or disprove any of the allegations against him. And now he's come out with a statement and saying that his statement read that um, I was at a Halloween party. It was post pandemic, like people were starting to come outside again. I hadn't seen people, hadn't been to parties in a while. So I was super excited, went to the party. I was having a great time, left the party, didn't even think anything of anything. I just thought I had a great time. And then two months later, I find out there's an investigation happening against me because somebody said I hugged them inappropriately. I'm sorry if people felt uncomfortable with something that I did. Basically saying, I'm sorry you were offended. Not I did anything wrong. I'm sorry you were offended. And that's the statement. Now, in that statement, you're calling my friend a liar. And that's why I have to come forward and say something, because I was there. You know, if you, you don't get to have an opinion, we weren't there. No, I was there. I was there. And I can't speak to what happened with Jen Tisdale. But the reason Murder Squad ended was because Billy Jensen was inappropriate at a work party. And he grabbed my friend's ass, among other things that I won't get into, because that's not my place. I didn't see them happening, but uh, there was a hug that was inappropriate. And the person that he hugged is a pretty important person. Mm. So allegedly, um, but that's how, that's as far as I'm going to go into that. Cause that, that person's not my friend. I don't know their story. I know the person that I'm speaking of story. My entire reason for coming forward, Fran, is that I don't think that you can be a person in this space because that's the thing about true crime is the people that listen to this are a lot of them are, have been through trauma and seen things and experienced things and hold these people up in high regard. And we, we speak about these when we go to these conventions mm. that there is a there's this rock star element to this shit. Mm. When you are 
an entertainer. It's true. It's true crime. You're talking. You're talking about people's family members that have been killed. You're talking about assault cases and murder cases and all this stuff. But you're doing it in a form of entertainment, and so you carry the cachet of an, an entertainer. When Billy Jensen walks into a room at these events, people clap and are excited and want to take photographs and get his autograph and stuff. My friend has had their own traumatic experiences in life. And what he did to them at that party triggered some of those things. And that's the concern in this space, is that if you're a person who is fighting for victims and an advocate for victims, but your actions are re-victimizing people, then you, that, you need to be called out for that. I don't want Billy to kill himself. I want Billy to get help. I like Billy. You like Billy. Mm. The Billy that we met. But you can't have a predatory nature and say you stand for the things that you stand for. And at that party, he was visibly intoxicated and acted inappropriately. That's the only accusation I can speak to. I don't know about any other allegations, but that one, I cannot sit back and let, my, let him besmirch Jen Tisdale and in effect bes besmirch my friend and gaslight my friend. I, I can't let that happen because I was there. Again, I don't know Jen Tisdale. I don't know her story, but if he's discrediting her, he's discrediting my friend's story because Jen Tisdale is the one that brought the story forward. And so I, I can't sit back anymore and let that happen. Cancel culture did not end Murder Squad. Billy Jensen's actions at a work party ended the Murder Squad. And that's what needs to be the focus. I don't, cancel culture did not end that podcast. That man's actions ended that podcast. This is not, it's not like this, this allegation from this woman came out on this podcast and then Murder Squad was canceled and the book was canceled. That's not the, that's not the timeline of events. The show was canceled months ago. We just didn't know why until now. Mm -hmm. Whose fault that is, that has nothing to do with me. Why he was allowed to move on from that without and, and not face any kind of scrutiny or questions about it until now has nothing to do with me. But I did know about it then. And I chose to stay quiet out of respect for my friend. But now my friend is being painted to be uh, a, a, among, a, among a group of women who are just making false allegations for attention is one of the things I saw. What attention is to be gained from this? My friend had to leave their job and has been re-traumatized because somebody grabbed their ass that they didn't want them to grab their ass at a party. So I don't know what attention was gained. I don't really know what's going to come from this. You know, um, I also have concerns about litigation. I don't want to be sued for defamation or something, but I'll say this. Everything that I'm saying is true. So I don't have concerns about that. And I'm speaking from a place of integrity because I can't just sit back and let somebody paint my friend out to be something when I was there. Yeah, but let me let me speak on a couple of things. Um, oh, please go ahead. You know, the friend that you speak of is my friend as well, right? So, you know, I communicate with this person, not about, you know, what happened or anything like that, but, you know, uh, I would say I have a relationship with this person too because, you know, I talk to this person as well. But, you know, by you coming over here and saying what you had to say and kind of getting it off your chest or whatever and not staying quiet, um, you know, I got your back 100%. You know, if anything comes from it, I'm, we go down, we're going down together. Yeah, appreciate right? it, man. So, um, the only thing I can speak on is, I've met Billy. He is an affectionate, you know, a very 
perfectionist person. I've met him. Um, and you know, I'm trying to figure out something that some stuff I don't want to say. Cause I want to, I don't want to sound like I know everything. Oh, yeah, I was there. Sure, Cause sure. I wasn't there. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, I just only heard the thing that's been, that's been recently coming out. Now, other people coming out and saying, you know, we shouldn't have an opinion on certain things because we wasn't there. You know, I find that highly disrespectful, you know, being a dad and, you know, um, having a fiance, just, you know, women just in general. Um, I don't think that's how we should take, even though if, if we don't know the facts or anything like that, I don't think we should take that stance to be like, I don't have an opinion. You don't have an opinion. I don't, I feel like, I feel like highly, highly disrespectful. Yes. Right. I don't, I don't like that. And just that alone, I feel like that's the, that's the wrong thing. That's the wrong way. I feel like that's like turn the blinds eye. Cause you're like, I don't think we should, you know, I'm going to stay out. of. I'm going to stay out of it. And only because it's good. Cause this person's losing their, you know, job and whatever. It's like, okay, you know, you, it's consequences to your actions. Right. Absolutely. So it's like, that's, that shouldn't have anything to do with us. We shouldn't go, okay, well, I don't, I don't think I should say what I feel or whatever because this person may lost a book deal. Or like, you know, so what? Yeah. You can't just go around just, you know, putting your hands on people. You can't, that's unacceptable. You can't do that in a, in a, a work. At a work party. A work party? No. And parties loose. No. It was fun, but no. it wasn't a, it, you know no. what I mean? Like there were, we weren't dancing. No. There was no strobe lights. Not that there's a context to where it's okay. Right. But it was if you were at this event yeah and you and i told and people told you the list of things that were occurring yeah. you'd be like that this that those actions don't where where did they do this yeah. everybody was just kind of walking around being like doing they're all a bunch of comedic podcasters people yeah. doing bits yeah p- pretending to be characters from movies and stuff it's like it just was it was the the energy was very much out of place and i put that on him being intoxicated yeah now another th- and that was, those are all great points that you made for him. But the thing that I wanted to say that I, I thought there was a pathway for redemption here, and when I saw that there wasn't, this is when I chose to speak up, as well as making my friend look like a liar. Right. Yeah. His statement was dishonest. I mean, it's not true that he was just having a good time and 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 like hugged somebody and they took it away, and it was dishonest in the sense that he was intoxicated at this party and was being loosey-goosey inappropriate however you want to put it and i think if he would have come out and said hey guys you know i have a drinking problem and i'm sorry that i violated people at this party that was really inappropriate of me i'm going to step away from this thing of entertainment for a while to kind of get myself right if you would if that would have been a statement if you would have took some onus and and owned and fessed up and owned up to you know being inappropriate at a party would have been a smarter approach than pretending like, whoa, hey, man, I guess you can't hug people in 2022 or these days. What's up with that? I mean, sorry, I'm friendly. You know, that's wild, bro. And I didn't appreciate it. But yeah, like you said, it's a terrible stance to take to say, oh, well, I don't think we should have an opinion because I, we weren't there. You should believe women and pursue the truth and if you find evidence to the contrary of what's happening i feel like it's okay to say that you found that evidence to the contrary but to just go yeah well you know i wasn't there so anything that i'm hearing is i don't i'm i'm going to take it as not true and go from there um in this space specifically i think there's no place for that in this space 
because you speak on and meet victims all the time. That's the nature of this business of entertainment, of, of investigation, of journalism, whatever you call it that you do. I'm not a journalist. I do a podcast, um, but it's in the true crime space. And we listen to stories and read stories all the time about people who got to keep pushing the line because nobody believed somebody or they, you know, didn't really see the signs. And so they were allowed to keep going and going and going until something really bad happened. Am I saying that's Billy Jensen in this case? No, not at all. But what I'm saying is Billy Jensen was inappropriate at a party. That caused his podcast to end. Any other allegations that come from there have to be taken off the base of that. And then you make the decision on if you, if you, if you think Jen Tisdale's a liar or not. I don't know her. What I know is she's the one that came forward and presented the information about my friend. And if you're discrediting that, if you're discrediting Jen Tisdale, you're discrediting my friend. And that allegation is true. So if you want to play a game of like, this one's true, but I don't believe this one, that's up to you. I can't control people. I can't make people do anything. But I'm just here to say one of those allegations against him, I know to be true for a fact. Again, does that make him a monster or, or, or a, a horrible person? I don't know. That's not up for me to decide. As I've said, I'll say it for the third time. When I've met Billy, I like Billy. He has, a, he has great stories and all that other shit that was said. He's an inter- interesting person or whatever. He also accosted my friend at a party. So both of those things are true. Take from that what you will. I don't really know. Um, if I'm getting rambly, Fran, my bad. I don't really know. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I want to just try to get all the thoughts out. Yeah. Cause I don't want to leave anything off the table. Mm-hmm. I think I've done that. Um, and whatever comes from this, uh, you know, I'm prepared. I don't really know what that will be, but I couldn't not say anything anymore. It got to a point where I felt like I needed to say something. And I think that that's necessary, man. I mean, there's not a lot of dudes in this space. I feel honored and privileged to have an audience that trusts us, supports us, and all that stuff. And I would never want to take advantage of that because I appreciate it. And I respect it. And I think that that is something that needs to be addressed when we talk about true crime celebrity, you know, because it is a, it's a weird word and it's a weird, it's a weird thing to be, to be a celebrity in this space, quote unquote, because you are put in a position to where you can use that to your advantage in a pool of people who are vulnerable and have been through trauma. You know, how many times when we're when we're at Crime Con do people come up to our booth and they're like, I'm here with my daughter. You know, she got sexually assaulted when she was 16 years old. And so we come here together to go listen to this person speak or that person speak or this person speak. Mm -hmm. And the idea that. Somebody would be at these events and grab that girl's ass. Just because they had a cocktail or feeling it or they like they think they're cute and the person is giving the person's giving them energy because they respect you and they appreciate you and they idolize you oh my god you're my favorite Uh, you know whatever that and you go oh nice cool 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 you want to come up to my room or any of those kind of things you it's dangerous and it's manipulative and 
you sh- we should be we should be cognizant of it being something that could happen mm-hmm. and 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 probably is happening does happen at these conventions and i think that this is an opportunity to have that discussion and just be a, just be aware of it i don't know it's better than just brushing it under the rug and just moving on and acting like this is some kind of isolated incident you know billy is not the first person to be known as this to the public but then also might also be this people can be more than one thing so yeah like i said i don't know what comes from this but it is what it is uh what i was about to say uh, a few minutes ago i've been kind of rambly sorry but again uh it's a lot of thoughts been swirling around i've been sitting on this for some time i've been aware of this for months and have been quiet because I just didn't feel like it was my, my place. And I was trying to be respectful of my friend's situation. And now things have gotten to a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And I, but I, I wanted to take the opportunity to say my piece and, and, and say what I know and also take an opportunity to try to learn. And so this is a, as I was saying, this is a, this is a town hall cast. We did something similar to it, to this a few months back where we had um, some of our listeners calling in and just tell our, their experience was like sexual uh, harassment in the world and just things like that. So I decided to reach out to some people and see if I could get some stories about sexual harassment in the workplace, just so we can know the lingering effects of something like that. And also the signs of it. And also just, the psychological effects of trying to play that game of I need this job. This person's being inappropriate, but they're a superior to me. How do I, do I just, do I, do I just be rude to them out of the gate and potentially risk being written off or fired? Or do I let them play these little games and keep moving the bar further and further to where they keep getting more and more inappropriate with me? So I just wanted to get some stories like that. I'm going to be making some phone calls to some listeners, but I also pre-recorded some phone calls before you got here because you were at work. Mm-hmm. So I'll be splicing those in as well. But we're going to go ahead and try to make a phone call now. Do you not know how to work? Hello? I know. I'm, I'm still It's just getting used to it. Hello? Hi there. Hi, Cookie. Yes. Hi, Cookie. Alvin? Yes, this is Alvin. Hi, Cookie. Thanks for calling. You're on with me and Fran is here. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Fran. Hey, what's up? Not much. Cookie, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Um, you are on an episode where we are addressing some things that have come come forward in the true crime world, and um, we just wanted to get some perspective about harassment uh, in the workplace. And you came forward and said yeah. that you have some experience with that, and we'd love to hear it. Yeah, it was actually, like I was saying, it was, um, it was several years ago I was working at a job. I don't know if I can say it or not, if it even matters. Uh, yeah, I don't care. It was Sally Mae. I used to do like work in student loans and stuff. And initially I worked in collections and nobody wants to do that forever. Yeah. So when there was an opportunity for me to post out of that position, it was for a supervisor position. And from feedback that I had gotten periodically in the job, you know, they, they led me to believe I would be a good fit. There was, at the time, a manager who I wasn't aware of, you know, that had any kind of issue with me, but when it came time for my interview, you know, you want to dress presentably, that sort of thing, so 
that's what I did, what I thought was modest, this, that, and the third. And when it came time for hearing about who would get the position and not, you know, the one of the other managers who was a female, which is why I'm so still flabbergasted by this. He came to me and told me that I wasn't a good fit for the position because one of the other managers was distracted by my appearance. Oh, wow. And I was like, what, how does that have any bearing on me or the performance I would have in this position? I'm like, how is that, how is that my fault? Yeah. You know, I'm like, why, why are you coming to me with this kind of feedback? Why are you not going to this manager and saying that's wildly inappropriate? Yeah. Like, you know, and I was just, I, I was, it was, it was disarming. So basically, and, so basically after you, you did an interview, the critique as to why you didn't get the job didn't have anything to do with your performance or anything. It was about your look and how it, it, th- it threw off the person who interviewed you. Right. Exactly. Wow. And yeah. Oh yeah. And like I said, it, it, it stayed with me. I was like, I was just, I was so taken aback. I couldn't believe that in, in, in what's supposed to be a professional environment, something like that could just fly. And then I had to go back to that job every day and see that man and know that I was just being objectified. There were like four people in the interview but the one that gave me the feedback was a female. And I'm like, how can you sit there and, and, and say that to me? Wow. Do you think, Cookie, do you think that, do you think that, she, that this woman was just the delivery person? Like, do you think that was the consensus of the panel? And then they were just like, this sounds better coming from you than us? Or do you think I, I it was directly her? That. absolutely think that. Okay. No, no, no. I don't think it was her at all. I don't think it was her at all. But even to, to I mean, I know as a female myself, I couldn't sit down another younger female who sees me as kind of not a role model, but maybe a mentor in that position. Like that's kind of what she was. Yeah. And, and, and to say that to somebody that looks up to me in, in any kind of position, it was, it was just, it was wildly disappointing. And I've just, I, I mean, it, it changed me in the sense that I, I don't give a fuck who, looks at me how anymore like if you have a problem with me that sounds like a you problem to me not me yeah you know for sure um and you know i mean that's what i've learned but at the same time like i said it is something that has stayed with me because we're talking this was probably 15 years ago at least yeah you know and it's just it's yeah like i mean i'm I'm actually i'm kind of shaking talking about it now it's i didn't i didn't really realize how much it has affected me now that i'm talking about it yeah but it's just you know, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, and it, it makes you, it opens your eyes to how things really are, how it actually is to be a female and try to operate in this world, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I, try to, I try to be an idealist as, as much as I can, you know? I mean, I have a 15-year-old son, and I try to make him understand how things are, how, things, how you should be as a human in this world, you know, how you should conduct yourself, and... You know, having having gone through experiences like that, it just it, it, it makes me make sure that my boy knows you 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 don't you don't treat women like this. You know, there's no women don't ask for these things. Yeah, at all, ever. Most of the time, we just want to be left the fuck alone. Yeah. What what disgusts me is um, you know, 
you know how I always bring up, you know, I, I have a six year old daughter, right? So like these situations, yeah. you know, it, it, it hits me different. But what disgusts me is that, you know, that young lady, you know, that that did an interview, you know, for her to, to deliver that news to you, for her is like she could have felt the same way because she got for her is like, oh, I got I kinda gotta roll with the punches because, you know, if you know, I go against what this person is saying. I could. My job. My job is in danger. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. I mean, she was on the line as well, and that I realized later in life. You know, but in in the moment, it's just like it. right, yeah. right. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Exactly. yeah, you're going yep. along with this. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, as I've gotten older, absolutely. You know, if she had done anything otherwise, it would have been her ass on the line instead oh. of mine. You know, and. In a, in a professional world, it's, it's, it's cutthroat. You know, you have to do you. Mm-hmm. And and she was doing her. And I get that. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was anybody to her. She didn't have any reason to sacrifice herself by any means. Sure. It just, it, you know, I mean, things, things would have been different if she had. You know, because that turns out that the position ended up going to some kid who had just come into the company you know he turned on the flash mm-hmm. and of course i mean it did it went to a man yeah you know and it, it just the whole thing was just really really put a bad taste in my mouth and cookie you actually you actually led me into a really you, know, you bring up a good point because I, I i try to find the, the systemic issues in these conversations i've been having in this episode i try to find the systemic issues and just try to shine a light on them the best i can and <clears throat> a lot of times what happens is you'll you'll hear when you have these discussions about women in the workplace and equality in the workplace and people will, you, you can fudge the numbers, right? You can find statistics about, you know, uh, women aren't in this field because, and then you can, and then you can make up reasons why, well, you know, it's hard work and you know, women, they don't want to do this kind of job. And it's, that's why most of the men in this field are, or most of the people in this field are men. But in the example that you just gave and the experience that you had, um, you were alienated from a position that you know you showed promise in. I mean, they 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 told you to interview for a job. If they, if, you, they tell, if they tell you to interview for a job, I have to assume that you are good in your position and they think that you can do it. And then they made right. a, they made a, they made a decision about you based on you being a woman. I mean, when, when it comes down exactly. to it, I mean, that really is like uh, that's that's all I'm hearing is like you're a woman and the way that you presented yourself as a woman in this in this office during this interview rubbed us the wrong way. And so we're not going to give you the job for that reason. No, nothing to do with your performance or anything like that. And then, you know, and it's funny to yeah. use the word to rub him the wrong way, because <laughs> from what I heard, he was rubbing himself the right way over my outfit. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was one of those things. Yeah. I wow. was distracting him. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Wow. But but then the job goes to a man. Yeah. You know, and now there's less women in a corporate position at that job. And you were a person who was in line for that. And it was taken from you for no reason other than you're a woman. Right. But statistically, exactly. but if you look at the statistics, it's just like, well, you know, just men dominate the college admission fee money tuition yeah industry it just is what it is it just is what it is i mean men men are just more dominant in in the field it's just how it goes women can't count money (laughs) you know (laughs) 
So it just yeah, well, because yeah. we can only count to seventy-seven when you know men can count to a hundred. Yeah, I had a situation at work just what's today Saturday, so it was yesterday when that whole Roe versus Wade thing got overturned. I work in a small office, and most of the men are old and white and Republican, and there's one that is just is very vocal in his belief, huge trumper. Like, and I mean, we we don't get along because. I am the polar opposite. And the office knows it. Like I said, it's a small office. Yeah. And I came back from lunch and he was spouting off about all of the whole, well, yeah, the, you know, abortion should have always been illegal and a woman should get the man's permission because she didn't make him by herself and all sorts of other stuff. And I, I was <sighs> like, are, 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 so are you fucking kidding me? I, I like, I had, I had to bite my tongue Yeah. because if I had said something, you look, it would have been an great. HR issue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I look like the crazy black woman. But here's this man, this old white man, who can sit here and say whatever the hell he wants, regardless of who's around and who is going to upset or offend. And it got to the point, I had to say something. I didn't say something to him because I absolutely need my job. But, like, I went to my supervisor and I was like, look, I'm like, you have to do something. I'm like, because if I say something, it's going to be ugly in here. That's what's going to happen. And I'm going to end up losing my job over his stupid ass. And I don't want that to happen. So please, please intervene here. Because if I do it, it's, it's going to be bad for everybody. <laughs> Man. You know, so it's like, you, you do, you have to tiptoe if you have a vagina and breasts in this world. You know, you've, you've got to sidestep all the time. You can't just make, you can't be direct because then you're aggressive, you know. And heaven forbid you be meek because then you're going to be stepped on. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a constant game of chess, just existing, you know, let alone trying to get ahead, let alone trying to better yourself. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it is, it's your, your mind is always on. You can't turn it off. And then the, you talk about the problems that come with all that stuff, just existing, let alone if you try to climb, you might be seen as that people start making up rumors about you must be sleeping with somebody or you're a, you're a bitch. You're too Absolutely. aggressive. You, you know, you're too, you're too ambitious. Like you're, you're cutthroat. Like, right. it's, it's seen as a negative when, you know, women trying to get who's ahead, ahead in the corporate being tickled world. Because you're being right. Exactly. You know, who's, who's, who's like palms are being greased even, you know, like it just, it, it, it can never be on a woman's own merit. It can never be because of her abilities. It's always got to be, because a man is helping her. And it's just, it, it, it literally disgusts me. It makes me sick to my stomach. Thank you for giving us the time. And, and this was a really um, good call. And I appreciate the passion. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, um, no problem. Yeah, uh, I, 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 this was something, this was kind of a last minute put together. And, and I'm glad that we could get the scheduling together. And I, I just felt like it's necessary cool. to hear, hear these kinds of, of stories just to you know, just give light to them. And, and so people know that they right. are, are so that people know that this stuff happens and it's everyday occurrence. And right. And believe me, like you guys are absolutely appreciated. I mean, in my household and everywhere I go, like I tell people about you guys. I'm like, if you want to hear a true crime podcast, if you want to hear a podcast at all, I'm like, you know, let's do affirmative murder. I'm like, these boys are on their shit. You know, it's, I love what you're doing. And I like that you allow listeners to be a part of it. Sorry, I'm sitting outside. There's a motorcycle going past. It's all good. But yeah, it's all yeah good. no. I <laughs> mean, you, you're, you. you're doing good work. 
Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Cookie, listen, I want you to have enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. You have guys a have one. a good one. Too. All right. Thanks, Cookie. Bye. Bye. Man. Shout out to Cookie, man. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and um, we're going to come back see if we can get in touch with some more listeners in a second. Um, you guys stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello. Hi, is this Ashley? This is Ashley. Hi, Ashley. This is Alvin. How are you doing? I'm good, Alvin. How are you? I'm good. Uh, do you still have some time to chat for a bit? Yes, I do. Do you have any other questions before we go? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I hope that I am able to share a story. I love, I love what you're doing because I think that it's important and I know I know the situation of which you speak, and I think that this is really important for people because, you know, it's important to recognize that things don't have to be, there are certain situations that people should recognize as being sexual harassment without it being dramatic and incredibly in your face like it is in movies and TV shows. Absolutely. Exactly. That's my entire point. So um, let's go ahead and kick things off. So, um, Ashley, thank you for joining me. Um, I want to thank you for being a part of this and I'm not going to really take up any more time. I'm going to go ahead and kind of let you just take things away. Okay. So I, um, I work in sales. I work in an industry that, uh, the sales frontline is a pretty even split between 50% women, I'd say 50% men, but upper management is mostly going to be men. Um, once you get to the higher ups in what I do. Um, there is a particular person that when I first started working at my job, I was assigned to work with this person as the assistant. So essentially my job was to help with the management of this person's work, um, to be the support person and help with managing client relations. And I was pretty new to this particular industry. So I leaned a lot on the people around me to kind of help guide me and give me feedback and I worked with this particular individual and two or three other people. And this particular person had kind of a reputation around the office of just kind of being goofy, you know, just being one of those guys who is just really chummy and kind of like the dad at a cookout who tries to act like he knows all of the friends of his kids or something, you know, like just somebody who really, really works hard to make you feel comfortable, even though you're like, I don't, really know you <laughs> so like in a, in, a, in, a, so, in a good way yeah well i mean what appears to be a good way sure, like sure in a sure. way that you know you're not immediately put off by but 
it still kind of makes you feel a little uncomfortable, sure. you know, acting familiar with you in a way that you haven't established a relationship for that familiarity to be there. Got it. Um, so one of the things that he liked to do would be to have end of the week meetings. Um, these meetings would take place in his office. And of course, you know, it's a shut door meeting, but it's an open glass door. So it's not like we were closed off in seclusion. Um, but I noticed that when we would speak, when I would speak, um, there would be a lot of like staring at my legs or staring at my chest. And I'm not a person, you know, we work in a, in a professional environment. So the clothing that was, I was expected to wear was business casual. So never anything that would have really lent itself towards bearing any type of skin, you know, like, yeah. and see, even now, as I say this, it irritates me because I shouldn't have to say that, but yeah, it shouldn't matter like what I wear what anyway. Wearing, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So anyway, um, that was a little unsettling, but I feel like, and I, I might not be alone in how I feel about this. That just tends to be the way that women are sometimes interacted with by men. Um, so that was frustrating. Um, but then as our work together continued, he decided, you know, he would need me to come around to the side of the desk that he sat on. Like he would show me something on his computer and he'd have a question that he wanted me to show him how to do, which I kind of questioned because I was new and he had been seasoned, but I, you know, I did what I was asked. And I recognized as I was, you know, trying not to get too close that he kept leaning in closer and closer to me. Again, never made physical contact, never tried to touch me, but acting in a way that made me feel super uncomfortable. And so after probably the fourth or fifth week of this happening, I was like, this is kind of enough. So let me go to the manager in this building. Um, and so when I shared the story, it was kind of like, oh, ha ha, he's so funny. You know, he's so inappropriate. That's like such and such. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To which I responded, oh, okay, so this is a thing. Well, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't understand, you know, some things are okay and some things are not. And I'm like questioning my own sanity. Like, okay, well, am I, am I making this a bigger deal than it is? Right. So you yeah. start to almost question yourself. Um, so we continued working together and, you know, he, he would want to know very personal things about myself and, and my committed relationship that I was in, you know, like, well, how are you and so-and-so like, when is the wedding? You know, when, when are you having kids and babies are such beautiful thing and all things that seem innocuous at surface when you have a conversation, but it was the body language and the way that I was being made to feel when I was spoken to the look, the, the approach, the demeanor that just made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. It was anyone in the office who was a woman that had passing interactions with this person. Um, there was one time I shared a story about how you know, he had asked me about my history, my past. And I was like, Oh yeah, I was on, I was on the women's golf team when I was in college and, or in high school. And he responded with, Oh my gosh, that is so sexy. And just like rolled his eyes and like made this really like, oh. I don't know. It just made me, it was very, it was strange. It was in front of other people. Everybody yeah. immediately like did that awkward laugh, but no one said anything. Um, so again, it makes you feel like maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the person who is the one with the problem. Maybe I'm the one who's making a thing out of nothing. Um, and you know, other women in the office, like we, we had a day where we were treated out to a local amusement park for all the hard work we had done. So then we were wearing shorts, tank tops, you know, 
to, to meet up at the location that we were going to be at. And that was uncomfortable for all of us. All of us said that we didn't want to go by his office because he wouldn't look at you in the face. He would look at everything else. Mm. Um, and really it kind of, it kind of all culminated. Like we, the last time that I really worked for him before I was able to move out of the position with being his assistant. Um, he wanted to take me out to lunch to celebrate the year that we had, cause we, I worked with him for a year and it got to the point where I started being just rude. You know, I, I didn't know how else to approach this and I wasn't getting support from other people that his behavior was something that, um, really warranted any type of talking to or corrective action. Uh, so we went out to lunch and he shared with me a story about the first time he ever had a sexual interaction with another person when he was a teenager. And I, I've never, he drove us there. We sat at the table and he shared this with me. And I, I remember just being so grateful that I wouldn't have to work with him again because he's supposed to be a person that I am helping grow his business. And all I felt like what was happening is I was being used as this kind of like, piece of candy you know like yeah. some sort of just like yes yes and someone and initially i had convinced myself that this was a person who just didn't know better but i recognized that this is a person who knows better and also uses the environment that we're in where it just gets laughed off and brushed to the side like it's nothing to continue putting himself in these types of situations after I quit working with him, they tried four or five other women to come in and, and be that person. The, now they will only pair him with men to be his assistant because they recognize how many women work with him and walk away with the same type of uncomfortable, cringy, just, you know, feeling dirty and icky. And not for anything outward or untoward, no sexually aggressive actions, no inappropriate words. The most that I've ever felt from him came after I quit working with him. We were in a group of people and he was trying to tell a story. We were standing around like a water cooler and he was like, here, Ashley, let me show you. He took his feet, kicked my legs apart, spread his legs over top of mine. Like he was trying to demonstrate a, like a twister move. Oh. And I just, I froze because I was like, I've never been like your thigh is touching my thigh. And this isn't appropriate. And thank God there was a woman who worked with me and said, Hey, so-and-so you're being wildly inappropriate and that's not okay. And all of a sudden the sheepish, Oh, I'm so, Oh my gosh. I, I didn't even think about it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just have a hard time buying it. I just don't believe that you don't recognize when you're making someone feel uncomfortable with your body. So, oh, no, absolutely. um, it was, you know, again, you know, and then COVID happened, right? So we've, we've all been sitting kind of separate in a way. And like, I, I work in a home environment now, but even now as I go back and, and have to spend time in the office, like I, I make sure that when, when he is there, we're very, I'm very abrupt. I'm very curt. I'm not engaging because I don't, I, I don't want to open up a possibility or an opportunity for any, anything else to come my way. <laughs> yeah. You, you highlight a systemic problem that comes from this kind of stuff, right? Where you or none of the four that came after you in this position did anything wrong. And yet they, for, you know, reasons of discomfort or whatever, chose to leave the position. And then the company recognizes this behavior and then goes, okay, well, we're only going to just hire guys for this position now. So now you, right. you, you, you remove a, the option to have a woman at a position at the company 
And now you change the entire dynamic of the company even more by having it be a more masculine driven environment because the job that you had that was an option for women, you had to take it away because the guy was inappropriate. Not for, not for anything right. that a woman has done wrong. It just is like you, you can't put this guy around women and, and as opposed to getting rid of this person, they just change the parameters of the position that he needs help for, which is insane. Right, which also recognizes that there's an issue, yes. that there is something that is occurring which shouldn't be. <laughs> and then the sec yeah. the and then the second part to it is, you know, you're you're in this position and this guy because he's not he's not an ignorant guy. He's 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 using it to his advantage. And what he does is I don't know this person, but what I imagine, I know, I know, of, I know, I know this game. I know, you know, this type, of I know person. this type of, you person. know, this type of yes. person. And what he's doing, yeah. what he's doing is he's testing the line. Right. So, yeah. you know, he, he drops yeah. a little, he drops a little on the edge joke that is in a, is you, he knows it's inappropriate, but he, in his mind is like, well, is it, I don't know. Let's just kind of test the waters to see what kind of group I'm dealing with. And then you push that line right. further and further. But the, I, the terrible position that puts you in and other women in, in a position similar to you is that like, this is your boss. You don't want to come across as uh, the party pooper. Cause that's what happens a lot in these environments that are really male driven. It's like a woman comes into the space and because they don't want to hear you talk about grotesque things or, you know, women's bodies or whatever. If you say something like you're making me feel uncomfortable. Oh, can't even just be a guy anymore. Just work. Can't even right. work. Why can't you just have a good time? Gosh, yeah. it's just a joke. Relax. Yeah. And, yeah. And because yeah. that's in your mind, you might allow this line to get pushed further and further until something that is completely inappropriate or, or touching or anything has now happened but they've pushed the line so far that even when that happens, they they get to pretend like, oh, well, I mean, I didn't know. I just was picking up on signs. You you you, you were laughing at my inappropriate jokes. You were this. You 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 like you liked my compliments. Right. And the whole time you've been just kind of biting right. your tongue or allowing it or trying not to say anything, even though you felt uncomfortable the whole time. But because of the power dynamic in, in play or you allowed that person to see the line is being pushed further and further when you just were trying to protect your job or protect your your reputation at work. You don't want to be known as the, 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 the person that ruins the fun or whatever, you know? So. Exactly. Oh gosh, there goes Ashley. She's just, you know, you can't have any fun with her. She takes everything way too seriously. And working in sales, everything is, you know, you move up through, through who you know and who you get along with. Like exactly. You advance with the people you rub elbows with. And all it takes is one experience or one wrong move and in a situation where everybody just needs to be, you know, quote unquote, be cool. And then all of a sudden you're on the out and you're outside of that circle and you're never going to get back in or get to move. And that's you're 100% right. And I think that what is so frustrating is that this is the type of behavior that, you know, again, it's not in your face and aggressive. Nobody ever touched me on a body part that was overtly sexual. No one ever said, you know, sexual words to me in a, in a way that made me feel like I was being, you know, sexually molested with someone's speech, but I still felt uncomfortable in my own body, in my job. And when I tried to have a conversation with people about it, it turned into a joke. And so that makes me feel like I'm the person who's crazy. Like maybe I am, you know, I shouldn't be uncomfortable. I am being a stick in the mud. This isn't that big of a deal. And fortunately I've 
I've aged in my time with this place and I'm not that person anymore. But the person who made me feel that way still works there. No one's been, you know, he's still in his position. No one's done anything with him except, like you said, now his assistants must be men. They can't be women because he makes everyone feel uncomfortable. Wow. And although you're still at the same company, would you say that there were lingering, did it affect you going forward in the industry? I think it does because I feel like I, I like to, you know, I, I feel like I'm a positive person. I'm a, I'm a benefit of the doubt person. I believe that there, everybody is good, you know, and I want to keep feeling that way. But the cynicism that bubbles up in my mind when I watch an interaction or when I engage in a conversation or the trepidation that I have when I walk into a conversation with people that I don't know that well, especially in this environment, I mean, it's just, the sexism is pervasive already. You know, I, we went back in the office a couple of days a week after COVID and there were faces there that I hadn't seen before. Um, and there was a person who was speaking in a negative way about a woman that I didn't know, uh, but spoke loudly enough and called her a word that I felt was so intact. And I don't know if I can say it. I don't know what's appropriate or not to say, but it's probably one of the most offensive words that I can think of to be called. And I just remember my job got to the floor, like, where am I? And who thought it was okay to say that in an environment where your door is open? Yeah. It's a big open space. There are women around you. I don't care if I would agree with you or not about this person being bad. You don't say that word out loud for other people to hear. For sure. As far as how I, I feel, I feel like my, my principles have strengthened, you know, how I feel about people and, and the way that I approach them. Like I'm, I don't question before, and I'm embarrassed to kind of say this, but before I feel like if I, if I heard an accusation or if someone accused somebody of something, I'd be like, well, are you sure? Are you really sure? And I don't feel like that anymore because I recognize, especially after being removed from that situation, um, that that's what I was doing to myself. And I had, I, I was questioning my own experience, which is wild that you can be put in a situation and then walk away and wonder if what really happened to you really happened. It's just crazy. And I think it's great that you're doing this because I do feel like this is so much more prevalent than people recognize because women are put in these situations and they just bite their tongue. They just shut their mouths because it doesn't matter who you go to or talk to, you know, it'll be brushed off. Like I said, made into a joke, whatever. And then you're the one who's causing the problem. You're rocking the boat. You're spoiling the fun. In a situation like you're describing, you know, if you were to go to HR and and say this and this and this person's reputation was just like, oh, he's just like a goofy uncle, like he's just like a fun uncle and crazy, then mm-hmm. there would there would be people that would accuse you of attention seeking or being sensitive or yeah. it, 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 the be- belief would be so far down the list of other things that would be brought to the table about you that it's really sad, you know, like, it, you know, and it's. Uh, you know the the reason oh, yeah. the reason I wanted to do this is just for people to hear stories like this because you know I know that we see you know tabloid stories about people suing celebrities for money but what does a person who just is working mm-hmm. a job have to gain from lying about being harassed at their job like realistic I mean right. like you you could lose your job like what are you what do you have to gain is this idea that everybody's brain is so willing to go well you know you could sue the company and then you get a six-figure settlement it's like i mean like 
do you do we think that that's like how often is that the case that it goes down even if you can pull a tabloid right. you know you can pull one story that will back up your claim how often is it is that the case where a, a person facing harassment at work is just making it up to sue the company and then settle out of court for an undisclosed amount of money or how much more often is it that yeah or how much more often is it that that person is dismissed laughed off shrugged off hey man you know it's just don't worry about it you know it's just it, you know we'll, we'll tell them to calm down a little bit but they won't really i would say nine yeah. times out of ten it's that and then you have one story of somebody who you know filed a lawsuit and then the assumption is that it's a lie like who says that even in that case that that, that person was lying you know it's almost like we've taken hearsay and secondhand stories and made them the gospel and not just the gospel but like the go-to thought when you hear about oh this this woman or this person was complaining at work about being harassed it's like oh man she's probably trying to get a check and that's crazy to me yes it is crazy because you know i i know the job i have is great my benefits and that's another story for another day i'm sure but my benefits are what keep me at this job like i have to have what i have because i've got family things you know there's there's a number of reasons that why I, I need, I want to keep this job. And I know even I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate because eventually they did move me out from underneath the umbrella of this person's, you know, assistantship. And I did get a chance to get away. And I know that that's not true for a lot of people, you know, that I, at a minimum, they were at least willing to do that for me. Yeah. And that's terrible. <laughs> that's the best they could do. You know, and even still, I'm not even lying to you. I had a phone call not even a few weeks ago. Somebody who knew about these stories called me up and had someone else on the line and was like, hey, 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 tell the story about him so that they can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell the story so that they know that I'm not making it up, that this actually happened to you. <laughs> and I was like, bro, what is this? Are you being entertaining to other yeah, people yeah, by like, sharing this information? Like, to what, what end? To what end? To what right end? Now? To what end do they want? Because they're not going to do anything to this guy. So, to what end do they want? They just want to just like no, no, seriously, tell it because <laughs> they think I'm making it up that you got right. harassed by this guy. Go ahead and tell them that you did and exactly for no, for it. no reason. The for no reason. I mean, just just for a chuckle, just that you'll never believe how crazy so and so is. You know, this is the kind of stuff that we have to put up with, and you know, and even even the manager coming and being like, look. I had to have a talk with him because what you said is really troublesome and I know and it was really uncomfortable and, you know, I think I got through to him and I'm like, uncomfortable? I'm sorry you felt uncomfortable telling someone you manage that their behavior is inappropriate? Am I supposed to thank you and be apologetic that you felt bad that you had to tell someone to stop, you know, putting your hands on someone's lower back when you shouldn't, you know? Like, yeah. going in for full frontal hugs when it's not invited. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like it should matter that it makes you uncomfortable to try to correct that behavior. That's literally supposed to be your job. <laughs> yes. And you really hit a nail on the head because I told you at the beginning of this, what my objective was. And the last things mm -hmm. that you said really are kind of very much in the ballpark of the situation that I, that I was talking about. And it's one of those kind of things where I think that you, you need to be able to hold people accountable and, not yes. and and that not be necessarily it's not my I'm not judge jury or executioner in anybody's moral compass or anything like that but these are the facts that happen and it's wrong and 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 there's no malicious intent in my actions I just want to point out that this is wrong and then people and people should know that this is happening 
so that this person doesn't mm-hmm. get, get to go on and, and victimize more people, you know? Cause I mean, right. You're, because you're, you're, if it happened to me exactly. and if it made me uncomfortable, I am not the only one. Exactly. It's not just me. And, and the, and the solution to that being, we'll just like, we'll just swap, swap people out until we find one that fits instead of addressing the person with the problem is dangerous because right. that person's actions could escalate. If you allow them to continue Absolutely. to push the line and just stay in that position and, and not address them, but address where they, where they fit or, or what, or what fits around them. You know, like it's, I think that's a really, mm-hmm. I think that's a really dangerous game because you know, you, you escape this with only like mild, you know, trauma and, 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 and uncomfort and discomfort and, and things like that. But you know, he, this person could eventually go on and, actually like really grope somebody in a really traumatizing and, 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 yeah. and really wrong way because they have not been you know reprimanded properly or, right or the removed, behavior has honestly. not been addressed head on yeah right or that too <laughs> i mean <laughs> and that's kind of the other thing like you know just because this person makes great money and everybody benefits from the dollars that this person brings in you know, how much dollars could you stand to lose if this person puts somebody in a position that they're just they don't, you know, they don't act like me about it. They, they do more than what I did. And they, they take to task all of the people who are complicit and allowing that behavior to continue. I mean, I, I think that it's amazing that you're doing this because I do feel like the most dangerous person is the person who can wrap themselves in normality and convince everyone around them that I just, you know, I didn't mean it that way. Like, it's not my fault that they took it this way. My intention was not to do this. I mean. You don't have to explicitly tell someone, please stop touching me. I mean, you can tell from the way someone responds to your attempts at making contact with you that it's not okay. I'm going to let you go on that, Ashley, because I can't say it any better than that. That was, that was very well put. And Well, and I could, I'm sorry because I feel like I'm getting heated and I could probably run off on my mouth forever. So no, 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 no. This is, this is, no, this has been I appreciate a, you this, taking the time. It, to, this has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you sharing your story with me and you don't have to do that. You don't know me, but um, yeah, I think that this is important for people to hear, not just men, but like just people. Cause there are, there are, you know, in these we, we're seeing, I mean, the Supreme court decision that just happened, there are women outside of those courtrooms uh, applauding, you know? So like, I know there are people that need to hear these stories, you know? So I appreciate you taking some I time agree. And, and, and sharing with me. I really do. Absolutely. And thank you for making this a priority. I feel like, especially in light of the last seven days, I think that this is a critical conversation and your platform continues to push things that are really important to talk about, even in the midst of maybe having uncomfortable conversations. It's still really important. So thank you for the things that you do. Thank you so much, Ashley. Enjoy the rest of your night. Okay. Yeah. Right. You too. Thanks, Alvin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thana, thank you for joining me. Yes. And um, I am all ears and would love to hear your story. Thank you, Alvin. Thank you for having me. Um, So basically, at my first job out of college, I graduated college in 2014. I got my first job out of college in like December of 2014. I worked for a sports memorabilia company and I was an apparel designer. And so a lot of times with that, you would get samples in, you would have to try to close on and everything like that. And because uh, my company was small, there were very few women that were the sample size for the clothing that we had. So 
I would design the clothes, get the samples in, and a lot of times I would be the one that have, had to have to try them on to see how the design worked on the human body. That's, you know, that's normal stuff, like yeah. not a big deal. Where, where it became harassing was when you would try, the, when you would try the clothes on, is that like, so sometimes it'd be like me and maybe one other girl that would do the fittings. When it came down to actually trying them on in front of like the design manager, the cor- the CEO of the company, and everything like that, they would make like the CEO. Uh, sorry, the CEO specifically would make like these like weird comments about like the way that we looked in the clothing, and it was like, okay, it's one thing to be like, okay, the, this design doesn't work because of how it lays on the body. Okay, that's fine. That's a that's a legitimate critique. Sure. Granted, I'm wearing like leggings that are. Since this was a crappy company, it was all cheap. These leggings are basically see-through. Yeah. So I would be like wearing them in front of like a bunch of like older dudes, like me and this one other girl would be just standing in front of like this sea of men. And they, like the CEO would constantly comment about how he looked in them, but it would be like kind of, it wouldn't be just like, like I said, the normal. Not just about like the fit or of, the cut or something. It wasn't just, it, was, exactly. it wasn't a sterile comment. It wasn't comment. just about the design. Exactly. And it would be like to the point where like, was both of us would look at each other and we're like, this is uncomfortable, but what do we say? What do we do? Like this, like I said, this was my first job out of college. Like I didn't really like this. This is my first foray into like the real world. Yeah. So I was just kind of standing there like, what and do I do? Do I say anything? Do like, I not say anything? And it's like the big, it's like the big boss. Exactly. It was the CEO of the company. So yeah. it wasn't just like, Oh, it was my design manager. Granted my design manager was sitting there too, but he had this like awkward look on his face of like, I can't really say anything either because my ass is on the line or whatever. And then the other uh, managers would be sitting there like, what do we do? We can't say anything either. So you would say everybody in the room, everybody in the room could tell there was a discomfort, but nobody wanted to say anything because he's the boss. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it just got to a point where, like I said, because I was one of like two or three other people, other girls specifically that could fit the sample sizes, I didn't really have an option of like, of not doing it because if I didn't want to participate, that would mean that my designs wouldn't get chosen because they would just move on to somebody else. So that was the other thing. It was like, if I didn't participate, I knew that the, the, the hard work that I put into the, the fit meetings, the design work, like, and all the, the research that I put in to actually create these designs would get thrown out the window if I didn't participate in these fittings. Because it would be seen as like, oh, you don't really want to work hard for the team. You don't want to be part of this team that we're building, this, this, and that. And I'd just be like, no, I just don't want to be objectified in front of a bunch of like 40, 50-year-old men who want to comment on my body versus the clothing that I'm wearing, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, a question I have is, yeah, because um, it, I just want to make sure I got it, I got it right. So you, you said you would try it for your your team manager, you, you would do it for them and then go on and do it for the CEO of the company as well. Yeah. Like I, I find that so weird that like, you know, it's funny how, you know, you have all these people with positions and supposed to brainstorm and everything. And nobody thought to maybe like, just take pictures of you in the clothes and then give those to the CEO as opposed to like, you have to go and now do a in-person thing twice. You know what I mean? Like it almost feels like intentional. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was intentional or not. Like, I know this had been going on for years before I even started working there, but, like, their girl, the girl, the other designer girls would, like, cycle through, and they would just be like, yeah, I'm leaving this job, like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it just got to a point where I was like, I'm uncomfortable, but if I say anything, I know that the hard work that I get put in won't matter, and 
it's just like it it was just I didn't know what to do in that situation. What can you do other I mean you're in front of the person the highest you can go, you know? I mean even if yeah. who do you can you can't even go to HR really. What is HR going to do? You know, like they're going to reprimand the yeah, CEO and of H- the company, you know? Yeah, and HR was kind of in the pocket of the CEO like well, they course. there was yeah. really there was really yeah, there really was no HR department at this job. It was kind of just like a like a, like a formality thing. Like we technically have an HR department, but we don't do anything. Yeah, just to throw a hypothetical at mm-hmm. you because I'm kind of just kind of get people's feedback. So, let's say the problem mm-hmm. wasn't with the CEO. Let's say the problem's with your project manager, and your discomfort came at that mm-hmm. level. And then you went to HR and you told them about your discomfort, and they said, "Okay, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do an investigation, but in the meantime, you know." he has to continue to be your, you know, your project manager. So you're going to have to just keep working side by side with this person, even though they make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you, would you, yeah. how would you feel about the company as far as like them having regards for your safety and feeling and everything like that? If they told you like, you know, you, you just got to stick it out until we figure out what we want to do next. I mean, I would have asked for like a chaperone constantly when it was me one-on-one with him, but I mean, like I, like you said, this is a hypothetical, but I would ask for like, uh, like another person to be there with me yeah. at all times, especially when I'm interacting with this other person. Yeah. So, so you would say, um, continuing to do business as usual wouldn't really be an option for you. At this point, I have voiced my opinion. People should, people have known what happened. So therefore I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not doing this without somebody there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and that's also what I did. Like whenever there was an opportunity for me to do like a fitting with someone else, like I hated subjecting someone else to the same thing. But at the same time, it's like I didn't want the, to be the only one in the room with like, like, like I said, eight to ten guys, just like older men staring at me and like a and making awkward comments. Yeah, yeah, that really is. Yeah. It, it's such a strange. The idea that you'd have to, you know, keep demonstrating the clothes as opposed to just you know doing it once and they take some photos to see how the you know almost treating you like a mannequin. You know, like they don't need to see yeah. you and your face and your reactions to their harsh comments in person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they could they could do those critiques with, you know, some 360 photos of like, you know, your profile with the clothes on. Yeah. It's just such a strange way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, yeah, the other thing is that the company never wanted to hire models either. So whenever they would actually do the, the, the photo shoots for like the website and the catalog, it would be like me and like two other girls at, that, that I worked with. And he would just be like sitting there in front of the photographer. The photographer was always good. Like we never had to worry about him or her uh, doing anything inappropriate. But a lot of the times when the photos would come back and you sit in the meeting with the CEO, he would of course make the same types of comments. If like, oh, like you're, you're not poking your butt out enough to make the leggings look more flattering or whatever. And I'm just like, that's not my job. I'm not, you didn't hire me to be a model. I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. That is what you hired me to do. I just happened to be the sample size. Is there, did this, cause any long lasting effects? I mean, were you apprehensive going into another job in the field or like, was there anything that you carried from this experience? I mean, it was more along the lines of like, I will put my foot down before something happens. But then again, like now I'm, I work in a, I mean, I'm still doing graphic design work, but now I work in, in textile. So like bedding and like other soft goods, so there's no modeling involved in that at all. So I've kind of realized that I've stayed away from apparel design, even though I do love doing that. So I guess, that is what I've done to not avoid this situation in the first place. Wow. So, yeah. But that's deep, though. You know, I mean, even, even you know, it, 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 it can be deep if you, if you want it to be. 
it could just be that's the career yeah. that's the way your career path went but if you are mm-hmm. subconsciously avoiding a you know a sex a sector of the field you know you know that, that says a lot about the experience you know yeah it it's like it, like i said i love the parallel design and it was it was a, i learned a lot from from working there but it i don't think it was worth what i was what i went through during those fit meetings yeah and it's like, I also have like, uh, like a small little story about my time at Abercrombie and Fitch when I worked the fitting room key and I, when I was, when I worked at the, the fitting room and had the fitting room key, yeah, I you never had wanted the key? to wear shorts because. Yeah. Can you, th- uh, you know, uh, let's just, let's, let's just take a second for people who don't understand to explain the power that comes with being the key holder for the fitting rooms. I hated having that responsibility, <laughs> especially when I was wearing shorts. Because there would always be some creep, creepy old dude that'd be like, yeah, I need the fitting room. Can you let me in? And then, of course, I'd let them in. and be like, yo, like, you got to let me take you out afterwards. No, I'm at work, sir. <laughs> no. Like, there was a few times where, like, a guy would, like, touch my butt when I was letting him in the fitting room. I'm like, this, this is not the time. Yeah. Like, it only happened, like, twice. But still, I'm like, oh. Yeah. And after that, I was like, I'm not doing the fitting room anymore. It's not yeah. happening. I, I never thought of it from a harassment angle. I only thought about it as, you know, oh, I have a, I have this responsibility you know like i i you know mm-hmm. people have to come to me and go hey can you let this person into the fitting room i always looked at it like that i never thought of the idea of it being a burden now more people people are coming up to you and using it as an excuse to like as an, an opener and as opening line you know so wow I never yeah thought of that, that, that way. i'm just like i'm just like i'm like dude ew aren't you here with your kids like what is this man yeah i mean well you know i mean less i mean we i'm sure you have a ton of weird customer stories from Abercrombie and Fitch. I know I do. Or even just from like district, oh, yeah. from like district managers coming in. And I mean, as me as a dude, I can't, I can't even speak as you. like them being like, Hey, why don't you, you should unbutton your shirt, like another button or like, you should take the undershirt yeah. off from underneath the shirt, you know, like that kind of stuff. You know, it was very, you know, I met a lot of good people at that company, yeah, I, but in retrospect, it was, a, it was a very shallow and weird company and they crossed a lot of lines. Oh, a lot of times, oh you know? yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. And I just remember there was one day I had the nerve to wear my hair curly to work and they had a fit. And I was just like, it is too damn hot to be for me to be frying my hair for a minimum wage job. I'm not doing it. That's the part that's like the craziest part about that company is that it's a minimum wage job. And I remember one time they I had on a shirt that had no, you know, competing logos on there because you're not allowed to wear competing logos, but it was a flannel. And mm-hmm. the district manager came mm-hmm. the district manager came and was like Hey, so, you know, we just like, you know, wouldn't you feel like you look better in like an Abercrombie shirt? Like one of the new Oxford, you know, like the, one of the new Haley's Oxford's, whatever the hell the shirt's called. And the new the new releases uh-huh. or whatever. And then they're like, you should go over to to this, uh, the other store across the hall and uh, buy one of those shirts. And I was like, OK, sure. Yeah, maybe I'll make cast up. I'm just like all the dumb things that they brainwash you into thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll end up in the cast up photo in the front of the store. So, yeah, I'll go put on the, I'll go buy yeah. a $60 shirt. They give you a discount. So you still end up spending $40. I'm not making $40 for the shift. I'm here for four hours. Yeah, I'm going exactly. to make, make $27 after taxes. And I just spent I'm in the hole now. But I went over and you exactly. buy it. And yeah, it's like so it's like it's just it was, it's a very weird company for sure. You know, I mean. Wow. Yeah, I got a lot of stories about that place. Yeah, uh, yeah, I worked there for like three and a half years. But that's like seven in mall in, in mall store years. I feel like yeah, I worked, I worked, I worked there, there for like there five. Yeah, I worked there for like five. I feel like oh. it feels like such a big chunk of my life. 
yeah, I, I know. Like I'm thinking like, oh yeah, like it wasn't that bad. But looking back, I'm like, it was bad. It was yeah. really bad. And then watching the documentary White Hot on Netflix like last month, I was like, oh yeah, it was really this bad. Yeah. Like when I was watching it, I was like, man, this is bad. But like, no, that's like, that's what it was. It, it wasn't uh, when I was watching and I go, this looks bad now. But no, this is what was mm-hmm. happening. It, was, it wasn't like I was like, I, this wasn't my experience. It's like, no, that was my experience. Yeah. But it didn't feel that bad in the in the in the it, moment. But now looking at it, it's like, exactly. this is really racist and messed up, man. This is really messed up. And I worked there post the lawsuit. Exactly. I worked there during the inclusion years. Yes, same. Same. I worked there from 2010 to 2014. Yeah, just about the same for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it was like, like <laughs> it was watching it and I was like, yeah, that's how it was. But I just kind of was like, this is the Abercrombie way. I didn't think about it being horribly racist or exclusionary or any of that kind of stuff. I just was like, yeah, this is, they just have a look that they're going for. And some people don't have the look. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, exactly. I was like, I, I just don't, I just don't have it. That's why I'm always in the back. And then I was like, well, wait, why are all the other black people in the back too? And it's just us. I'm confused. <laughs> well, listen, um, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you calling and giving your story. Um, it, no it, it, it really, it really, su- I really, and, you know, I know we just had a laugh and everything, but it really does suck that they, you were made to feel uh, discomfort when you're, you know, trying to do your job and spe- especially your situation is particularly shitty because there's nobody to go to in that situation. I mean, your, your, your complaint is with the, the person who's supposed to be the head of the ship, you know, like the, all the accord and all the ethics are supposed to come from this person. And that's who you have your issue with. Like they're the person that's supposed to be creating the yep. environment that everybody's supposed to thrive in. Exactly. And he just made it super uncomfortable and he was also like blatantly racist. So that didn't help either. Like if he would, didn't make a comment on like the way you looked in the clothing, he would be like, Oh, your hair is looking a little nappy today oh, or wow. something like that. And I just be like, mm, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, sorry, I didn't smooth down my edges for you today. Well, that's not cool at all. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was a fun three years I worked there too. So. And would you yeah, say like, before I let you go? Because now you brought up another question I want to get out to you. Is that like, did you feel like when you say because you said this was like kind of your first, you, this is right out of college, so this is your kind of first dive into the industry that you're excited to work in and everything. Did you, was a part of you afraid that, you know, cause you say three years, was a part of you afraid that if you left this job, you might get a bad rep and go into a, trying to find another job or maybe you wouldn't be able to find another job. Was there any apprehensive, was there any apprehension other than, you know, money that made you stay for the whole three years? Uh, it was really just money and health insurance. Like yeah. they actually had a really good health insurance. So I stayed basically because of the health insurance. That was it. Money, man. It's like you need it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes and you got to put up with yeah. it. All, you know? Exactly. And it doesn't help that our health insurance is tied to, tied to employment. So if I left, I would have either had to forego insurance or pay like $500 a month in Cobra. And I'm like, I don't have a job. How would I pay $500 a month in Cobra? Yeah. Man. Thana, listen. Once again, I appreciate you uh, giving me some time to tell your to tell your story, and I, I appreciate you also being open and telling me the story. Now I'm just playing video games and watching track and field today, so yeah, no problem. Thank <laughs> you for letting me speak. Absolutely, yes, absolutely, and and thank you again, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. All right, thank you. You too. Right, Don't forget to say hello. I will do so. Bye. All right, bye.
Fran, so um, let me get your thoughts on like this whole. This was very last minute. I really kind of called you today. Yeah. With the official, uh, you knew I was going to speak on the the you know the situation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the whole town hall cast thing was kind of a last minute idea. Uh, what have been your thoughts so far after hearing you know a couple of these phone calls and stuff? Um, I like doing these episodes only because that we're men and our perspective. We don't get the same perspective, and our lives are so much different than women, obviously. Yeah. But so, but to hear women come on here and tell their traumatic stories, and it's eye-opening for us men to be like, this stuff is really happening, and we need to be aware of it. And how, what can we do to kind of help women, and you know, help them get through this? And like, how can we fix this? I know. Yeah. It's only two of us. It's not much we can do. For sure. But but even identifying is it. Identifying and spreading the awareness. Acknowledging it. Yes. Could could do it could do wonders. So um I do like doing these. Again, I have a daughter. So it's like I know that she's gonna have to deal with certain stuff. Her being, you know, African American. That also plays a huge part. Yeah. You know? So it's like I'm also growing hearing these stories. I'm also learning and growing and knowing what my little girl's going to have to go through when she gets older, possibly, that I can help guide her through these different obstacles that she's going to run through as she gets older. And so she's aware and prepared for it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. Again, you know, trying to climb the ladder as a female and then as a black female at that, you got to do, twi- you know, what what is what's the saying? You got to work twice as hard to get half as much. Right? So... I do like doing these. I, I really do. I learn a lot. And, you know, I get to hear, you, you hear the emotion you hear in, in, in these females' voice and the listeners' voice that what they, do, what they had to go through and been through is real. And how they come out on the other side of it is what makes them who they are. Yeah. Strong, you know, independent and not women that they are. But, again, I do, love, I do love doing these. And I think it's great. I think, you know, I think this is the second time we've done it, right? Mm-hmm. I think last time was like a year ago, right? Yeah, about so. About a year ago. Um. And I've learned so much. Just the, the, the two times that we've done it, um, I learned a lot. Yeah. You know. Hello. 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 Hi. Jamie, hi. How's it going? Hi, this is Alvin. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. You're on with me and Fran. Uh, What's up? Hi, Fran. We have the pleasure of being joined by a friend of ours, Jamie, from the Bloodbath Podcast. And, Jamie, we're going to shut the hell up. And uh, we would love to hear about some of the experiences that you have gone through. And so uh, take it away. All right. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. It's a pleasure talking with you guys again. Unfortunately, today's subject isn't super fun. Sure. <laughs> so, um, I mean, as far as sexual harassment is concerned, I, I don't think I've had a job where it hasn't happened, whether it was like on a smaller scale and I've even had on the larger scale of things, you know, if you want to put a, a measurement on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my first, big job. I was working at a coffee company as a barista and I had this supervisor that he had a girlfriend, but he would hit on me excessively. And eventually that just started stepping up and stepping up and getting further. And he would start, he wanted hugs when I came in. And then eventually it was like, I'd be doing dishes in the back and he'd come up from behind me and hug me and he started groping my chest. And like, it was just, it just got to the point where it's just like, I hit my supervisor and my, and I was like, 1718 didn't know what to do so that was probably like one of my first experiences with it 
What did did you no, did that, you that. did you take it to an HR or did you quit? Like, what was the or just did you just grit grit and bear it? Or like, what was the what did you do? Um, at that point, I didn't do anything because oh. I didn't. I was so new to it, so yeah. fresh, and I just didn't want to lose my job. Didn't want to put it in jeopardy. And I knew that he was in really good with the manager. They were like best friends. Yeah. So I didn't want to step on any toes. And he actually ended up supplying me an underage girl with alcohol at work. Like wow. <laughs> he just was not a good supervisor. Yeah. So I, I mean, I just, I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble for that or he, I didn't want to get him in trouble. He seemed really cool. It just, but also that, that ended up escalating to the point where I was uncomfortable and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, various jobs throughout the years, this has been like people hitting on you that are coworkers and saying inappropriate things while you're working. And I've always thought that that was out of line, but I think the worst I've ever had it was in the military because I served four years in the Navy. Oh, wow. Mm. Thank you for your service. Um, (laughs) Thank you for your support. Um, There was, I mean, a plethora of guys. I was, there was, there's less girls than there are guys in the military. And I had one guy who was married, had kids. Most of the people who hit on me actually were married with kids, which is really, really sad. Um, and he actually ended up calling me a succubus because of how much he wanted me. Like I wasn't seeking it out. You know, he was the one that was asking me to jump into his arms so he could feel how I felt against him. And I was like, no, what, what kind of request is that? (laughs) Very strange request from him. Um, constantly commenting on how the uniform would fit on my body, you know, telling me don't ever lose your ass. It's your greatest asset. Like things that you just, you shouldn't be hearing in the workplace. Yeah. Um, I actually had a supervisor end up showing his balls to me, which was weird. I, I, he was not, it wasn't directed at me, but I was in the room and he knew I was there and he just whipped it out. And was this was this was this, was this for some yeah that's what i was gonna ask like not that this makes it a, a better it was it was it sexual or was it like bro being a dude and you but like he should have been respectful that there was a woman in the room was it like oh look at my dude yeah it was it was guys being guys yeah not that he that's not that that's yeah that yeah yeah okay it, yeah it doesn't make it any worse or less um okay but so yeah that was that wasn't directed at me so that one's not as bad um and uh, so another thing that happened in the military, so I am bisexual. I like men. I like women. So at the time I was with a woman and I had this, this girl come up to me and she told me, you're too pretty to be gay. You look like you should be with a man. And it's not so much sexual harassment. It's more just like harassment in general. Yeah. I was <laughs> and, like, what? That's crazy. I'd, I'd, I'd never heard that before. And I was like, is there a requirement for like, if you're ugly, then you're gay. Like, is that how that works? Because yes. that's not what I've experienced. Yeah. It's weird logic. Very strange to hear that one. And then, oh, this is so bad. I had this supervisor who, like, if I ever wanted anything signed, or if there were no more seats in the shop, because I was, like, the only girl in the shop, he would make me sit on his lap Get to have things here, signed. Jamie. I'm not even kidding. He would, like, pat his lap, and he's my... He's literally like outranked me by three ranks. So and there, there's no is, more there's, in the shop all the time sitting around. Is there no recourse to that? Like, I mean, is there an HR in the military? I mean, what's the recourse there? You just have to, he, <laughs> oh, he outranks you, you. So that's just, 
is what it is? Um, the military is just a very um, dark place when it comes to sexual harassment. You, they tell you that you need to go to your chain of command or you need to go to uh, the chaplain or the counselor or something and talk to them about it. And then they'll contact the chain of command and then it'll go back down the chain and they'll talk to that guy. But I had a friend who she was harassed. Um, this guy actually put his hands on her and threw her on the ground and she called her mom and dad crying about it. And her dad was in the military. So he ended up calling the captain of our squadron and it trickled down. She wasn't even trying to report it. And from then on out, everyone around us shunned her because she was a snitch. Wow. That's how they saw it. Instead of her being, you know, literally physically pushed to the ground by this guy. She was a snitch. He won sailor of the year. And she got in trouble, basically, with all her friends in the military. This is the premise of that movie, A Few Good Men. They cold-redded this kid because he was not going along with the program, and then he died. But they, like, shunned this kid. Yeah, Uh, That's crazy. I didn't, I mean, it's it's a movie. You think it's a movie. You're telling me, like, yeah, no, this person for speaking out to their parent was shunned. Mm Mm-hmm. By their their squadron, I don't know if I'm using the right words. I'm trying to I'm trying to. Look at this guy. Yeah, their, you're right. By their yeah. platoon, <laughs> like, yeah, the squ- yeah, the squ- yeah, yeah. So, wow, that's, that's crazy. Wow, wow, that's yeah, insane, Jane. That's insane. And it's it's been uh, I, I feel like it's become a norm, but I didn't start reporting until my actual my last job I just had, because um, I I got pushed past the point of being uncomfortable at my last job. Um, I had one guy who would ask for hugs when I would come in oh. and I was the only girl. I was the only girl in 65 men. Like that's it. Yeah. It was, I was very much outnumbered and he would insist on sitting down to hug me so that he could put his head in my chest. Uh, just very yeah. uncomfy. That, I don't even, <laughs> but the one, what? It, like he would find a chair okay. and sit down in the chair and then be like, okay, now I want my hug. Wait, wait, let me sit. Yeah, wait, wait, let me find a chair. Let me pull up a chair. Yeah. That's insane. It would be like when I was walking past and he'd be at his desk and he'd be like, oh. come over, give me a hug. I'm like, okay, stand up. And I'd be like, he said no. And I'd be like, uh, why? And then he would like nuzzle his head in my chest. And I was like, oh, that's why. Oh, Jesus. Got it. Cool. Staying away from you now. Um, but the one that got me was this, this old man, this creepy, creepy old man. I was um, on day shift for a little bit because I normally work nights. And so I, I was new to the shift. I just met this guy and he was always so angry. So I tried to just be nice around him. So nothing, he wouldn't blow up because he was known for yelling at people. Mm-hmm. And he started taking a liking to that, I guess, because we would talk about, you know, traveling and stuff and just, you know, in our, in the passing, a light conversation, he ended up bringing me Red Bull, Coca-Cola and chocolate that he brought from Canada. Cause he had told me that it tastes better because it's made with real sugar versus the high fructose corn syrup. And then he's like, I need someone to drive with me to Canada. <laughs> I was like, what the, what the fuck do you mean? This is the premise of a horror movie, Jamie. It is. It is. And so everyone around me was like, he's going to kill you. Like, you're going to be in his trunk. That's how you're riding with him from Canada. Yeah. And I just didn't know how to approach him without setting him off. Cause he, like I said, he was a hot-headed man. He was yeah. very angry. I've seen him break our tools that we were working on, and they are made of stainless steel. Like, he is very strong. So I was just like, oh yeah, totally. We're going to drive to Canada. Not, you know, I would just be like, oh, nope, I, I'm busy. Nope, yeah. I can't. Uh, nope, I have a boyfriend. You know, like just any kind of excuse I could get. 
And one, so this one day I was sitting in the break room with my friend and he and I were chatting and I hear from across the room, a camera shutter going off, like on his phone. And it was pointed directly at me. Like, and I taking pictures of you from a distance. That's, that was my understanding. And I texted my friend who was sitting across from me and I was like, Hey, this guy's taking pictures of me. Can you scoot over so that you're in front of me? Cause we were sitting across from each other. And he's like, yeah, I got you. And then as soon as break was over, I went straight to HR and I was like, I cannot deal with this. This is, I'm so far uncomfortable with the Canada trip. He's brought me gifts and now he's taking pictures of me from across the room, like in a very creepy way. And then HR said that he had, he was taking screenshots of something else on his phone and it wasn't pictures of me. But then I come to find out I'm not the first girl he's made uncomfortable at work. So this is not his first incident or infraction of making girls incredibly uncomfortable and he still wasn't fired and this dude was like damn near 70 years old wow like just just retire him please how do you hear a camera shutter and then he goes oh no he was just screenshotting well you know everybody when when you take a screenshot you hold it up and point it at an object (laughs) you know that's what you need to do in order to get to do a screenshot you need to hold it up in the air at something exactly for it to work work. it's about angles (laughs) <laughs> I did want to speak, I did want to speak on the when you talked about the military um situation um I've okay. heard I've heard other stories where it was like not specifically the military but I mean like I've heard other stories where you know women tried to report incidents like this but there's so many obstacles so many hurdles where it's like is it even worth going through going to going through all that because what's even the end result even exactly. somebody going through 18 different channels to get oh. told don't worry about it anyway yeah. you know so, so it's kind of like you got to like yeah. stick it out or just like because you people are ranked higher than you and you don't know what could happen like this the example you get ousted shown, right exactly yeah. so it's like that's crazy exactly that's insane it is and and that's that's the fear and i saw that happening when i was in training in florida in pensacola there was you know girls going out every weekend drinking and then something would happen because they were drunk and they would want to report it, but then they feared no one would believe them. Then they would fear, okay, uh, are they going to, am I going to be in trouble or are they going to be in trouble? I was underage right. drinking is, you know, is that going to affect my career? And there's just so many obstacles and so many things you have to go through. Plus you have to face the person that you're accusing yeah. and be like, yes, this is the person who did it to me. And then, there's like a whole court system within the military mm. for punishment. So it's like, it's a whole ordeal and not to mention, like I said, the shunning It's a very real thing. People, if you say that you were raped or say that you were sexually assaulted, they're like, Oh, don't hang out with her. She's not cool. Everyone shun her or shun him or whatever. Like there's, it's, it's so toxic and they're trying to change it with their staffer program. It's a sexual assault, assault prevention and something. I don't know. They're trying to change it. Oh my God, that just made me think of another guy in the military. Another story. Please. Um, he, he told me he had a rape kit in his car and that he wanted to use it on me and the woman what? I was seeing. Huh? And he actually reached out to me a few years ago to apologize for it. So he knew what he was doing, that it was wrong. Uh, what? Now, my question to you is, I mean... So many different experiences. I mean, and then the, the different scale of them. Uh, would yeah. you would you say that you 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 took any like long lasting effects or anything that changed in your personality because of these things that you could that you that you notice or you know? I think now I'm more cautious 
of who I share things with and who I, um, I don't know, I like become comfortable with at work. Um, right now I'm in school, which is really nice. So, and everyone wears a uniform, so nobody's, because you know, I'm in flight school, so we're all wearing our pilot uniforms. Yeah. So I don't really experience that so much now, but I think if it were to happen again, or I shall, I say when it happens again, because it's bound to, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. um, I think I have the backbone now to say, Hey, you know, maybe that's a line we shouldn't cross. And then if they continue, then I would take it up the chain or go to HR or something and get it figured out. Cause I'm not afraid to be unliked if I do the right thing. Yeah. I just, I do also want to give people the benefit of the doubt, like give them a chance to like maybe settle back and realize, okay, I crossed the line. I don't want to ruin what we have as a friend or as like a coworker. Maybe I don't do that. Like, yes. And catching somebody in the moment is really important because then they feel the emotion and they attach that emotion to what they've done. And now it's become a negative event and negative stick with us. So I think catching it in the moment and saying, Hey, you've crossed the line. I have a boundary and you crossed it. They're like, Whoa, okay. Sorry. I think that that might be the better route for me. There's nothing wrong with addressing somebody doing something wrong. And if you start to do it earlier on, you could save a lot of people victimization and also maybe highlight to that person that they're, they have a problem and then they can try to correct that problem. Exactly. Yes, totally. And, and setting that boundary early on, it's just like with children, like it, but you, you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. So if you keep women have been taught and I know it's most, it's mostly women who receive sexual assault, but men do too, but we've been taught to be, you know, to placate people's feelings and to not be too loud and to not be too bold. So when stuff happens, we usually remain silent. We're usually the ones that are just sitting there like, well, I guess it's happening again. Like, fuck, this sucks, but what, what am I going to do, lose my job? You know, in the boys club, I'm in so many of the jobs I've had, I've been either one of a few or the only girl. And it's, it's not easy, and I keep trying to push that envelope. You know, I'm trying to be a pilot. It's full of dudes that do not want a woman in the cockpit. Really? And it, it, they, yeah, it's still, I see on all the Facebook groups I'm a part of where what these women pilots will get texts that are like, you don't belong in the cockpit. Like, what are you doing? And it's, it's like, dude, we were not living in the 1950s. Wow. <laughs> like it is 2022. Women can do whatever the fuck they want and they don't need your input on it. And so I think, like I was saying, I'm sorry, I got a little off track. Setting that boundary early on it helps people to not take advantage because as you said, they will run with it. They will, they'll push the, the limit. They're like, okay, she let me say that. I wonder if she'll let me do this. Yeah. Okay. So let that slide. Maybe I should push it again or with the next person, like you said. So if I don't say something, then what about the other girl in the office or, you know, something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Who else is going to get affected by this if I don't say something? For sure. And it doesn't have to be an attack on what they're doing. It's like, Hey, that's the boundary that you like the super simple. Don't do that again, please. I'm not comfortable with that. This is a place of work. Maybe don't. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all crazy, Jamie. You've really sent us down a spiral and you've given us a lot to think about. And, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and I, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time um, to, to, to talk to us and let us give you a call. And then uh, we really are really thankful for you taking the time. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm glad to spread awareness to this because it definitely happens more often than it shouldn't. Yes. But it should. 
I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, uh, uh, we, uh, speaking of talk, we'll definitely uh, talk to you soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, man. Wow. Um, a lot, a lot to digest on that one. For her entire working life, she's been experiencing sexual harassment. And that first job, that was nuts. And I hate a where's a hug ass dude. They are they are a scourge on the on the earth, man. They are they are they are a cancer on this planet. Don't ask for hugs. If people want to hug you, they'll just hug you. Thank you to Jamie for that. Um, a lot to absorb on that. In a gross. I don't want to be one of those dudes. Is like, like men are gross. Like we're not men, but like I don't but do that. But that's my point. Though. I don't do that. I mean, like, I don't do that shit. For, for another man to say that, yeah, it's my point. Yeah, it just. Well, men like, can do some gross stuff. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah, men. There, are. There are gross men. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I just don't want to. Like, we're not. We don't count as that. Like I don't know. I'm sure I've done some. You know, I. You know, I've done some things that aren't cool. I've ghosted people. I've been. I've, I've been. You know, I've had my own intentions, and you know. Dating girls and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, but I, like, but never have I ever done things like yeah. discomfort, like to make people feel uncomfortable. But no way, and I say that because I'm like, no way, we don't realize that. That's what. Yeah, that's <laughs> my whole thing. <laughs> that's like, why. Though, but that's yeah. why I say that. I would know. Like, how do you you? But I'm saying though, as men, we know when it's like okay, we pushing this a little bit. Yeah, but. But do not all men. I guess some every every man doesn't have that. If, if I can get like away, if you can get away with it, well, you know it's just it's different. It's point. I just would. I just I would. I don't want to sound cocky because I'm. I can't speak for every woman I've ever had an encounter with. But I feel like I would know if I was making somebody feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I've never asked for a hug in my life. I say that I could put a hand on a Bible right now. That's the most crazy, cringy thing. Asking for a hug? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? So I don't know. I guess every dude doesn't have that filter to be like, yo, you're being weird right now. Like, yeah. don't, don't do that. Don't stand up and ask. Stand up and hug the person. That's weird. Why are you moving your head back and forth on their breasts while you're hugging them? You're being a weirdo right now. Don't take pictures of people in public. Hey, man, put your phone down. You're being weird right now. But that's how my, we've had this discussion before. Like, my inner voice is like a person. Yeah. My voice, my inner voice in my head talks to me. And me too. So, yo, man, hey, man, don't do that. All day long. Yeah, it's like, don't yeah. do that. You know, so. I guess everybody's brain doesn't work that way. And a lot of men's don't, I guess. This has been an interesting episode. I'm really uh, looking forward to the conversations that come from this. I really dreaded the beginning of that, of this podcast. You know, I, 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 it's kept me up for the last couple of days. I wanted to do my best to try to lay out my thoughts and what I remember and try to be respectful of, the people involved who don't want to be acknowledged and also people who I don't want to acknowledge just out of respect for them, no matter how, how I might feel about how the hand situation was handled. There are people involved in this that I have a lot of respect for. I, I, again, I don't like how some of the stuff was handled, but I just, I don't know. I just, I just, for my own, for my own selfish safe safety reasons and, and litigious reasons, I just wanted to be very careful about what I say, whose names I say, situations that I say. And hopefully I did. A good job of that and hopefully people understood my intentions and my point and what I even said because I felt like I might have got a little rambly so hopefully you did keep saying that but you did okay well I I hope (laughs) I I hope I hope not I hope not but more importantly than that well not more important just just as importantly is the the accounts and the testimonies that we heard from our listeners were really powerful and 
I appreciate them being vulnerable with us. Um, a lot of them didn't even want to be anonymous. I thought that the, I thought that they were going to want to not say their names, but I thought there was something brave about them being like, no, fuck that job. I am my, this. I am this person. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, not going to hide who I am. This happened to me. The silver lining is that we got to do another one of these town hall casts type of things, which, as we both said, we really enjoy hearing from our listeners and trying to learn and grow. I hate that it had to be wrapped around such a disappointing event. And I will say one last time, two things can be true. Um, I can say that I've had great conversations with Billy Jensen. And I can also say that I fully understand that somebody who may have held him in high regard as a person who defends victims is incredibly disappointed that he may be a person who's victimized women. And I don't think that you're not allowed to have an opinion about that because you weren't, you weren't there. That's my message to people listening to this. You're allowed to feel however you want to feel about disappointment in somebody that you hold in high regard. Or you didn't hold him in high regard and you always knew that you got a weird vibe. Whatever it is, I don't know. I can't tell you how to feel, but you have a right to feel something when you hear accusations, especially in a space that is filled with people that have been victimized. Um, that's kind of my final thoughts on this. And, you know, I, I stand in solidarity with my friend in particular, but anybody who has been made to feel discomfort in this world just for simply existing. Um, that's not okay. And um, the more we hear these stories and the more we acknowledge these stories, the more steps we take in the direction of making a difference, making a change. I don't know. Something. I don't know what the outcome of this podcast will be. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I'm looking forward to the conversations that come from it. Good, bad, indifferent, hate. I don't know. Whatever comes, it is what it is, bro. You know, because I'll say it one more time. I felt like my friend was being made to look away and I couldn't keep quiet about that anymore. I wouldn't have been able to be cool with that if I know they saw that statement, know that they're being called a liar and know they're being gaslighted and nothing, nothing's being done or said about it. So I couldn't do that. So I spoke. I think you did the right thing, man. I really do. Proud of you for coming on here and like getting in front of it and letting how you feel be known. Cause you never know if we could have, we could have not said anything. Could have not right? said anything. And then yeah. a kind of shit could have been said. So proud of you for doing that. Thank you, man. Yeah. Let's also, let's be honest about, I know you just said you're proud of me, but I think you also secretly are looking forward to me getting some of those. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't have to deal with that. Anger. I don't, I don't, I get to uh, <laughs> go home and you know, Wait for you to call me and tell me what's going on. They are going in on me. (laughs) And I get to go, damn. Yeah, that sucks, man. You're throwing your kids up in the air. Oh, man, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Good luck with that. Uh, No, I don't care, man. It is what it is. I think that um, one final note before we get out of here is like when I know I know that I'm doing this from a place of of good and one and wanting to help help somebody because I, I was a witness to a situation. And if because of that, anything that comes from this that's negative, I don't really, I don't really care. If somebody goes, well, I, I don't believe that. And so I'm not listening to your podcast anymore. Then I go, okay, well, fuck you. You know, like I, 
what am, what am I losing? A person that doesn't believe victims as a listener? That's fine. Fine with that. So, uh, yeah. This has been another episode of Affirmative Murder, man. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.